Hi, and welcome to episode 278 of No Crying in Baseball, the villain in Charm City episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, I like to go to Charm City. Are you a villainess when you're there? I try not to be. Maybe I, you know, and if I'm in a baseball stadium, I might be considered well, a villain. This sometimes. is in fact a, a villain in the baseball park oh, there. So, um, yeah. So, so hold hold that thought. But I'm um, also it's Super Bowl Sunday. Hey, hey cheers! I will drink to that. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising shocking, no one. Shocking. Hey, so um, I'm pretty excited. Mm. I'm I'm going all all Philadelphia. I think what happened for me is I was so into the Phillies and like yeah. towards the end of the season that it's just rolling right over to the Eagles, and I'm 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 all in. And yet I have no. Phillies gear or Philadelphia gear, and I can't even bring a cheesesteak over because it's yeah. a vegetarian house and all. So I'm kind of out of stuff. That. So I decided to wear my Game of Thrones t-shirt, figuring Game of Thrones is the closest I can get to Super Bowl. I don't know. Sure. How about you? You got it. You got it. You got a. Well, I think it's kind of team? fun that we're going to be talking about um, the Phillies today. Yeah. Because that is the whole, you know, Philadelphia theme. And I gotta go Eagles because one. Um, Mr. Potty Mouth's business partner is an Eagles fan and comes by it honestly, well, through marriage, I guess. I mean, I did live in Philadelphia for a while, so there, there's that. There you but, go. It's, yeah. it's any kind of like connection roots. But the yeah. other thing is I like to go with the team whose fan base does the least racist chance. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, wait, wait. No, the, wait, the Eagles fans come out not on the right end on the right end of, of this, this spectrum right 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 when we're talking about Kansas Holy City crap. isn't that oh, amazing I love this. right please right. say more so, please say well, more well the Chiefs is is yeah. a is I mean I guess it could be like the chief CEOs like I was having this discussion with someone and they were like the word in itself isn't bad it's not you could pertain to many mm-hmm. things but it inspires people to do stupid things like paint their faces and you yeah. know and you just it's anything that is going to lean in that direction, I'm going to just lean the other way and fly Eagles. So, like Eagles fans, like throwing or Philadelphia well, fans, they're like throwing batteries at players in the field and stuff. So, you know, so, as long as they don't like say racist things when they do it. Yeah, well, you and their aim is bad; they don't actually hurt anybody. Right. Okay. Right. They just they they have it. You know, it's that that Eastern city thing. I guess I'm just used to northeastern <laughs> city life. It's hard. It's hard over here. Yeah. Oh, we have we have some exciting news here on No Crying in Baseball. We are even closer to breaking even monthly. We are so close. Patreon does funny math, but thank you so much, Chris and Amy, for joining us joining us for for um, listening to my plea last week. And feel free to hit us up on Patreon and let us know what kind of stuff we can put there that would make it extra fun. You know, the best part about this is I have siblings named both Chris and Amy, mm. and neither of these people are related to me. Are you so sure? I am positive. So <laughs> okay. that makes it better. Because I was like, ooh, ooh, nope, nope, not them. Not well, them. Welcome to the NCIB family, Chris Yay. and Amy. On today's show, we've got boyfriends staying and going. We've got Rays and Phillies boyfriends. We've got Guardians welcoming their very first woman as an on-field coach. Our police blotter features the Angelos family. We've got the big finish to the Caribbean series. I said it in English, so I didn't screw it up. Um, (laughs) We've got World Baseball Classic, including who's not going. And Business Beat features the big game. Go Eagles. Cheers. Holy cow, that is a lot of stuff. I know, and I put Go Eagles on record publicly, so if, you know, you guys will already know the answer to this. Right. And so you'll, but, it, you know, it's on me. I don't care. I'm sticking to it. Yep. We're still going to have fun tonight. I just want to do a quick little mini conversations with dad segment. You guys know that my dad is where I get my, my baseball, my sports-loving roots from, and I talk to dad as much as possible. And today, uh, there, were, there were a couple of updates. One is dad's been doing Netflix. And he's, oh. he's, he does pretty much pure documentary because he reads pretty much pure nonfiction, so it tracks. Mm-hmm. But he highly recommends a Netflix that you can search on the Netflix for Bill Russell documentary because mm-hmm. it combines, you know, both both of dad's big interests, politics, social issues, and sports, basketball, and the life of Bill Russell, who was a big civil rights activist, as mm-hmm. was my dad at the same time. So uh, recommendation the out there. Uh, no, no, not so. But speaking of the trainer, so that's a perfect segue. Thank you for reading wow. that to me. Yes, wow. So, as, for folks who've been listening to us for a while, know that dad, my dad goes to the Y regularly. And um, and he has been training with the same guy who also trains Carl Yastrzemski, which is kind of a cool overlap there for somebody in New England of a certain age. And uh he wouldn't, and so I, I don't want to totally narc out this this guy, but 
Dad was at the Y recently and the A trainer, when I asked him to clarify which trainer, he wouldn't. So it might not oh. be the same trainer. It might just be that dad doesn't want to talk poorly about somebody, okay. which is highly, highly that probable. Also tracks, yep. And so the trainer just, you know, making small talk with dad asked what he was reading, which is, you know, definitely a good good uh, small talk kind of question. And dad said biography of Stalin, which is what dad was 500 of the 700 pages into. Sure. And apparently this particular trainer uh, Trump fan did not <laughs> did not approve so much of dad's mm. choice of literature and had a few things to say about Mr. Stalin. And it's not like dad's a Stalin fan. He's just a very uh, uh, prolific reader, it's especially kind of like historical. Yeah. Pro-education. I mean, exactly. that's what it's about, man. Right. Don't ban books, people. Right. Understand Florida the world books. around you. Yeah. Wow. Um, before we pour our second beer yes we haven't gotten to like you know number one on our menu can you tell us what we drank for our pregame because it was so delicious really good it was from port city which is a small to getting bigger sized brewery in virginia i believe they're in alexandria and it was a tamave which i had never heard of until very recently highly recommend it was a good starter beer because it was only four point something percent alcohol and we're Working our way up now onto five. That's it. We're just going to climb. This one's five. We are going to climb. We're trying to pace ourselves because we have the whole Super Bowl to get through tonight. But we're starting on four. I'm going to let Potty Mouth open the next beer while I tell you about a couple of boyfriends um, this week. So I remember how I was so excited about Jay. Jay Blade of the A's. Um, (laughs) He was my my, my first boyfriends that I picked for this season. He is already um, no longer with the A's. He got traded to the Marlins for a left-handed pitcher, A.J. Pook. Pook. I don't know oh, how to say no, it. that's very inconvenient for you. Well, you know, I don't know that I was going to pick him on my fantasy yeah. team anyway, so it may work out. But because we have ridiculous rules, if I choose to use a Marlin or an A, you know, I, I would have to like... I, you know, shuffle. I, I, shuffle. I'd have to shuffle, do the boyfriend shuffle. Um, so speaking <laughs> of boyfriends, shuffling Bo Bichette, um, former boyfriend with Toronto, just signed a deal with Toronto for three years for $33.6 million, um, avoiding arbitration. Um and it takes him until he would go free agent anyway. So this covers the rest of his arbitration eligible years. Interestingly, yeah. his number for arbitration was $7.5 million. The Blue Jays was $5 million. They agreed to three years at 33.6. And correct me if I'm wrong, that's way more than three times Bo's number. So I think... I think what they were counting yeah. on was that in the later years, he may be worth even more. Yeah. So they're trying to kind of average it out. But it's still a pretty good deal. And it's before he hits free agency and he's still a kid. So. Yeah. Although there, there are definitely some baffled fans about this, about like, you know, they were hoping that this was building up to a longer deal to mm-hmm. like lock him in for a longer amount of time. Because, yeah. you know, Bo with the flow, who doesn't want to yeah. have him around for a while? So that one of the articles that I read about this referred to the Blue Jays as a file and trial team which is like after like the they officially are going to go to arbitration the only deals they're going to talk about they're not going to talk about one-year contracts Um, which is what the arbitration numbers are so mm -hmm. either you go to arbitration do that one-year contract or you talk about a multi-year deal which is what they did so apparently this is a thing that they do and it's called file and trial which you know i like the rhyme go ahead i guess three counts is multi Sure. All right. Speaking of baseball boyfriends, these are the guys that we talk about every week because they are super cool. We each pick one guy per team. And uh, at the end of the off season, we will create our fantasy teams. And if you want to play fantasy baseball with us, listen up at the end of the show because you want to get in touch with Patty. She's the commission. She'll tell you all the wonderful rules. And, um, and you can play fantasy baseball with us. We get to keep these guys that we talk about every week. So these are, if you've been listening, you know who you can't pick and you can start your spreadsheet. Can I bust in for one second? Sure. There was an article that I was going to talk about in detail and then I couldn't, but I just want to give you a heads up that um, the, Atlanta, the, um, the Athletic did a very uh-huh. deep dive into the fact that all baseball players play fantasy football. <laughs> no football players play fantasy baseball. They all said, really? what's that? That's hysterical. Yeah, so there you go. That is very funny. All right. So we're doing the Tampa Bay Rays this week for the American League. And I'm picking Christian Betancourt because, we. first of all, one of our rules is that we can't pick the guys that we've picked in previous years. And yet again, we've hit a team that has a lot yeah. of former boyfriends. And so I went for the name that I recognized. And I have seen Christian Betancourt play a winter league for several years. His catcher, 31 years old. And... He's the guy, it's just a name that sort of jumped out at me. He's, he's from Panama, but it's Betancourt with a TH. I didn't figure out where the name originally came from. But I was thinking, why isn't he 
in MLB or somewhere in the in the system. And it turns out that he had been, and he's been in the system all along, but the years where I was paying the most attention to winter ball, which is like 2017 to 21, he was not in the majors. He kind of took a break there, did well in the beginning. But I'm here. This is my comeback kid week. I feel like I always do a comeback kid thing. I'm always like looking for the underdog. But I think both of my picks this week are guys that had Initial good spurts, maybe Betancourt's not quite as good as my other guy. Had a little bit of a slowdown, and then I think right now are gearing to come up. So we grew up playing third base in Panama, and you know that a lot of kids get moved to catcher when they know they want to make that next level. The reason why he got moved to catcher, though, is because apparently, although he played third base when he was little, if the ball got hit, he ran after it no matter where on the oh. field it was. So his parents said to him, you're playing catcher because if you run after the ball, the other team's going to get a run. So you've got to stay. You need to learn your, how to stay right, put. Mm-hmm. Learn how to stay in your position. His dad was also a catcher, not pro, but amateur. So maybe that had a little bit of an influence. <laughs> so 2008, he signed internationally by Atlanta out of Panama and debuted in 13. He had just one game, that one game in 2013. 2014 had a little bit more time 31 games with Atlanta 15 was his first opening day but still not playing a lot um 73 games total oh wait whoops 48 games total and then gets traded to the Padres so he had been on this sort of like steady upward climb getting used to things it was kind of like normal you know a few years in the minors couple smaller amount of games each year he goes to the Padres and they decide to start making him a pitcher And I'm not quite sure where it came from. The parents didn't voice in on this. And it wasn't, and I thought that was a weird catcher-to-pitcher move. Apparently, Kenley Jansen did that, like just made a complete Mm -hmm. transformation. That wasn't what the the Padres were trying to do. They were trying to do sort of an Otani, pre-Otani thing to get him to be able to play on both sides, both catching and pitching. He... um, Spent that winter in Panama pitching, and usually he'd been playing in the Dominican Republic on the other side of the field, but it didn't go so well. So 2017, he's back up with the Padres, ERA 14.73 in four games of relief. Also caught eight games, didn't have such a high average, 143, and so I feel like he was just stretched too far at the wrong time. At that point, he got sent back down to the minors, Gets traded to the Brewers. He was in the Brewers for the Miners for 2018. 2019, completely out of MLB, he played for my Korean pick, the Dinos. Really? Yeah, which I had picked when during the pandemic when we were paying more attention to the KBO. Yeah. So it's nice to see just that little, you know, connection. Um, 2020, that wonderful year, non-roster invite to spring training. Didn't see any actual games. And then in 21, was released at that point by the Phillies, picked up by Pittsburgh, but spent the whole season in AAA. That season, he played every spot in the batting order. And he basically, he just said that he would do anything just to keep playing. So at this point, you know, it's quite a, a long trail that he has gone through to stay playing baseball. Uh, he was playing catcher and first base and DHing and playing right field and pitching that year in the minors. So those are the years where I was seeing him in the winter and not knowing that he was actually around, you know, playing in MLB or, at, you know, minor leagues. He also was getting a little bit nervous those years and ended up investing a farm in Panama with his brother-in-law. So it was looking like this was it. He's getting older at this point. I guess he must have been, like, pushing 30. I like a backup plan. Yeah. Doing something wise. So sure. I got to learn from that. <clears throat> um, he gets huh. picked up by Oakland in 22 and said, that's all I need. I just want an opportunity. You never know what's going to happen. So midway through the season last year, he gets traded to Tampa. He actually pitched once in Oakland and three times in Tampa. Did much better in those four games. So the four games that he had played when they forced him into it, you know, with the 14 ERA, Last season, when he, he pitched four games, he had a 2.25 ERA. Huh. So that brought his career ERA down to 6.75. Um, in August, he homered and three RBI and pitched a scoreless top of the ninth. So he was <laughs> playing as a position player, August 23rd, did pretty well, and then turned around and got to pitch. And it was a, a blowout over the Angels, interestingly, the other team that could have had somebody playing on both sides mm-hmm, of the field. Mm-hmm. So he's been busy in lead on. 
He played there before he started with um, his major league time and then from 2017 till now and played on almost every team in the Dominican Republic. So he's Panamanian, but Dominican Republic has a much more competitive winter league than Panama. So spent most of his time there. Um, this past season, he was with the Estrellas Orientales and made it to the semifinals, even though he missed a bunch of of time due to some visa problems and also that his grandfather died, so he had to go back to Panama. Um, even though the Serie de Caribe, which I'm going to talk about more later, is the teams from each country going to the championship. So he's done that with Dominican teams before, but he also got to swap over and go to the Serie de Caribe for Panama two times. Huh. He did not have permission to do that this year. So he did not plan the Serie de Caribe this year. He could have, I probably, if it were either Panama or Dominican Republic at that point. But the good news is he is on for the World Baseball Classic. Chances of us actually seeing him are bleak because he's starting off in Panama has one of the Asian slots, I believe. I'm going to have to look it up when you're talking. I'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs> well, you don't hang on my every I, word. I will try. I will I will listen. I will multitask. I'm so good at that. He's uh, with the Rays <laughs> for a year, $1.35 I am hoping the best for Christian Betancourt. I'm going to cheers and listen to your every word while I figure out. Sure. Well, you're, you're going to want to hear this playing. first part because you're, yeah. you're going to get a kick out of this. Okay. So my my theme is Ohio boys, and as you know, I'm an Ohio <laughs> girl, so I tr I truly appreciate this. So um, my uh, my Tampa Bay Rays guy is Luke Rayleigh, who is a right field utility player. He's 28. And he's from Hinkley, Ohio. And I want you to know that we always say we talk about having a boyfriend connection. Yeah. I had a serious boyfriend <laughs> from Hinkley, Ohio. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like how, multi year. How long, how long ago? Multi year. Last serious boyfriend before I met my husband. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, that, that's a good sign. I mean, you know, I you know, met the family in Hinkley, Ohio, and all They're of that. So, yeah. So, this has to be a good thing. And, you know, it ended well. So hopefully my relationship with Legrealy will also end well. There we go. So um, his parents own a tree farm in Hinkley, which had I known about it at the time, I would have visited. Um, his dad played college ball in community college and at Cleveland State. Um, Luke Rayleigh made the Ohio All-State baseball team, you know, in high school, but he was never drafted. Hmm. So he ended up playing a Division II Lake Erie College. He was a special education major. Oh, which, I appreciate that. Right, which is kind of fascinating because usually when people go to school like with baseball in their mind, it's like business. It's marketing. It's like it's something that's more generic and not – I don't want to diss those professions, mm -hmm. but usually it's something broader like that. This is really very specific, and it actually shows up a little bit later on. We're talking about this later. Um, so he in Division Two, he was – exceptionally good he dominated the league he um he homered more than he struck out good that's a good thing wow, right that's a really impressive thing. right he also set school records for hitting on base percentage slugging and home runs so he was like kind of hot stuff and so the dodgers had a scout looking at him a little bit hmm. talked to him once after one game in February of 2016, that was going to be his draft. I talked to him for a while, but that was the only contact he had with the Dodgers. The Dodgers basically then went quiet. So he assumed they were out. Nobody was talking to him, so he figured this wasn't going to happen to him until he found out he was drafted in the seventh round by the Dodgers. And hilariously, according to his mom, the announcer for the draft said, does anybody know this guy? And wow. <laughs> she said they knew nothing. And actually, it was pretty funny. And I can sympathize because I cannot find much about his formative years. I have a lot of baseball information, but not okay. a lot about, you know, his personal mm -hmm. life. He seems to be pretty protective about that. So I, I get that. He signed for only $150,000, which was which was accurate for the slot where he was drafted, but not a lot. But, you know, they, his mom said he just wanted to play. He just wanted to play. So in... Um, in 2018, he was traded to the Twins for our pal Brian Dozier, or shirtless Brian, <laughs> as, as we here in Washington, D.C. call him. He, uh, Luke was so into the community that was the Dodgers minor league teams that he was really upset about this. And there were so many articles about this whole tearful announcement that he was going to the Twins from the Dodgers in the minor league season. And um, he said, everyone was emotional. It just cut deep. We weren't crying because we were sad. It was just such a shock. And it took everyone by surprise. Honest yeah. to God, it was like minutes before the trade deadline. So he thought that he wasn't going to get traded. It was like, you know, like five minutes before the, the deadline hit. So it was really shocked. So he went to the Twins. 
2019, he played for the Red Wings because the Rochester Red Wings at that time were still the the Minnesota Triple uh, A team. But he had a bad a- ankle injury that so he was out for most of that season in 2019, and then 2020, no games. Yeah. My, so he didn't play for like a year and a half, and yet the Dodgers wanted him back. So in February 2020. Um, he got traded back. So you know, there, there was no 2020 season, but he was still on the, in the Dodgers family then. So his actual call-up was this weird last-minute emotional thing that happened in, on April 9th, two hours before game time because of, of a, a Bellinger injury. It was the game where they were doing the ring ceremony for the World Series. Ooh. So all of this stuff was happening at the very last minute. So you, you know he was he was in the clubhouse because they, they asked him to stay around you know, just in case. And this was like the very beginning of the season, right? So he called his mom and he reported, I said, my mom and I have a really, really good relationship. My mom has helped me every step of the way. She had to be my first call. So the extra mom points for mom. Right. Well, just wait, just wait. There's more. So that season, 2021, he was up and down a lot. So he was in AAA um, while in May in AAA, he and Steven Souza, also a former national, each hit three home runs during one game, which was the first time in team history that two players on the same team hit three home runs in one game. And then back up to the majors in September, they had a terrible loss to the Rockies. But during that game, Luke hit a 472-foot home run, which was the longest home run hit by a Dodger that season. But also, his mom was in the stands. And he Uh said, my mom's the only family member here. This is the first time she's got to see me play in the big leagues, which was really awesome that I was able to do that today in front of her. So that's pretty exciting. So he ended up being traded to Tampa Bay um, in March of 2022, started with the Durham Bulls. And came up in June of 2022. The Rays general manager said they've been trying to get him for a while, like, like over the past couple of years, and they were excited to finally make it happen. He said, he's big, he's strong, he's fast, and he's got a lot of power. You can never have too much depth. You can never have too many players that you think are good players. He said that because, you know, he's mainly an outfielder, and they are loaded for bear in the outfield with the, uh, for the – um, for the race. Now, here's where we get to the villain of Charm City. Charm City is Baltimore, for those of you who aren't in our neighborhood. Oh, this is coming in now. It's coming it in now. It's going to be later with nope. the Angelus thing. Nope, nope. This is my pal Luke, who I had to do a double take. Like, do I have to like not have this guy? But nope, I'm keeping him. Uh, in July, July 26th, he slid into my love, Adley Rutschman. On purpose? N- well, it, the bases were loaded. <laughs> okay. He had to go. He had to run. Um, he was so he ended up getting forced they out at home, hard. but yeah. he swept Adley's leg out, Ooh. and of course the all of Baltimore yeah. sees Adley Rutschman as their man forever. Not the I don't, but they do. Right, and booed and booed and booed and booed and every time he came up, he booed. So he checked in with Adley immediately to make sure he was okay. Okay. So Adley Rutschman, Brandon Hyde, the manager, and every single O Oriole in uniform plus the the umpires, everybody said absolutely clean. Oh, good. Nobody had a problem with it if they were wearing a uniform. Every person in the stands, of course, create made him a villain. And so okay. he was asked later, every every at bat, every time he did anything, he was booed. He asked was asked later if he'd ever been booed that much. Like, nope, I have not. <laughs> um, but back to you know him being a, a, a special ed major in college, I was looking at his Twitter feed, and it was either all baseball or retweets of interesting things like a kindergarten class learning how to sign so they could sing happy birthday to the custodian for their school who was hard of hearing or um a a boy with down syndrome whose dream was to play football who was who had like an honor who got on the field for an honorary play at a state championship game and all of these little things and i couldn't figure out why i mean obviously they were thematic but why Mm -hmm. why though it's important to him and then i learned later you know that he was a special ed major so i think he's got this kind of mindset about this is, re- this is very important to me. I didn't find anything about philanthropy yet or any of those things because he seems to be very private. But I like this guy, um, you Good know, pick. especially because Adley's not mad at him. If Adley was mad yeah. at him, I have to be <laughs> mad at him too. But Adley is not mad at him. And um, his own manager said, I was really proud of how you handled that, what with checking with Adley and, and all that. So yay. That's what so counts. That's my raised guy. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, you know, I think I like the Twitter reposting bit because it's sort of like you're using your your stage to amplify, right? Right. I mean, it's doing for good. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Phillies. I had to go with Schwaber. Schwaber. Kyle Schwaber. Left field. I needed some outfield. Clearly born and raised in Waltham, Massachusetts. I have the shirt on right now that must Patty be got true. me that says Kyle from Waltham. It's on a t-shirt. It must be true. Yep. Not exactly true. No? But Jared I want my Parab- money back. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was just a story that I, I personally appreciated greatly being from, from the Boston area. Uh, Jared Carabas, who's not my favorite. I'm not... Not very, I would say I'm anti-Barstool. I do not like Barstool as a whole, but he did have this good line on his Section 10 podcast where he said that Kyle, and this is, he has a point here, kind of looked like your typical guy in Waltham, which is kind of a suburb's not really the right word, but it's close to Boston. And he, what I love about it, though, is Kyle just kind of went for it. He was playing for the Red Sox at the time. If they're telling me that I, like, you know, look like a townie, I'm going to go for the townie. And his first reaction was, I'm like, what? I'm from Middletown, Ohio. Ohio boy. <laughs> so you get extra points. But then he said, but I guess my hometown is Waltham now, so go Hawks. And he wore a Waltham High School T-shirt, Waltham Hawks T-shirt, at the post ALCS conference, where he had just um, he had done well, that was Game Three. So he had a four RBI game, you know, King of Boston for the day. The the Red Sox at that point won twelve to three, and they were up two games to one against the Astros. That didn't go our way after that point, but I appreciate Kyle's um, fondness of of Waltham. He had Massachusetts experience, however, before playing for the Red Red Sox. (laughs) He played in the uh, Cape Cod Summer League. And in the championship game, and this is very typical of his character, so I I, I think what I respect about him a lot is that he's a fighter, and even when he spends some time down, he's going to come back up. So championship game, strikes out three times and commits an error, and then hits two home runs to win the game. So he was signed by the Cubs in 2014 out of Indiana University, first round, fourth overall pick. And in his meeting with Theo Epstein and the VP of Scouting and Player Development, Jason McLeod, they were talking about his fielding. They were a little concerned about his ability to move quickly. And he said to them, and I quote, you know, it really fucking pisses me off when people say I can't catch. And he's not from Waltham? See? See? He totally could be from Waltham. All clues point to that. (laughs) Absolutely. So he became. That's that's an interview thing right there. Oh, I could help him. And he goes to Chicago, and he is, I mean, the, the, the towns that he's played in, I really fit him well, I would think, <laughs> like between Chicago and Boston and D.C. and Philly. It's uh-huh. kind of like, I, I think he... We don't swear here in your nation's capital. I don't know what you're talking about. Markets. Um, so he deba- debuted with the Cubs in 2015 and became a hometown hero with his five home runs in the postseason that year. And then, of course, the next year is the big Cubs World Series year. And after that kind of preseason, postseason the year before, World Series. he's got he's to he's be, well, you know, as previously mentioned, Patty is from Ohio, so you can read into that for that World Series. But a lot of folks were pretty excited that the Cubs came back. And I he, heard that. Yeah, and, and he um, clearly, you know, wanted to be a part of that, but he busted his knee at the beginning of that season. So in April, he'd only played four games in which he had not gotten a hit at all that season. He had an on-field collision, tore his ACL and LCL. I didn't know there was another CL in there besides the ACL. <laughs> like, I'm guessing that's the lower CL if it's the eight. Anyway, the flyball collision in April, he was out for the whole season. He had surgery. They thought that was it. During the NLCS... He was cleared to play, and he gets on the phone with Theo Epstein and says, I want to play this postseason. They sent him to Arizona to play in the fall league that was Mm -hmm. happening at that time, and he took – they said that he just sort of sat there taking pitch after pitch after pitch to really work on his eye more than anything else. He became the first player in history to go from the Arizona Fall League to the World Series (laughs) straight. (laughs) That's going to be a stat that's hard to beat. And mm-hmm. he batted 412 sure he in did. his five World Series games. 
I, the, so then afterwards is when his stats took a little bit of a dip. He's a home run hitter and a strikeout guy. You know, he's just he's he's shooting for the fences. I thought it was fascinating. In 2018, he had 20 in, intentional walks. That's a big number. His uh, numbers suffered a little bit too much with the Cubs through 2020. I mean, everybody had a shitty 2020, but he was down to 188 that year and 11 home runs, which was still pretty good for the shortened season. But they let him go, and that was for really for the benefit of both of us because we had a lovely 2021 watching him hit baseballs far and cheering for it. He started with the Nats. Start off slow, but June, oh my God, June was this crazy streak where he Swore was bombs. hitting home run after home run after home that run. Was so much fun. 16 home runs in June in 18 games. Third MLB player to do that weird stat of 16 home runs in 18 games, but 16 home runs in 18 games. That seems like a lot. Yeah, it was fun. It was so much fun to watch. So much fun. Oh my God. He would have made the All-Star game, but he had a hamstring issue, which put him out, and then he got traded to the Red Sox, and I was all excited at the end of July. Of course, Red Sox fans get cranky about shit, and we're just pissing around like, ah, he's injured, but he's not playing, blah, blah, blah. Well, he came, and he busted out, 340 average in in August after being traded to the Red Sox. Red Sox fandom rallied around him pretty quickly. No he way, was, they came around. Yeah, when you hit a, when you hit a lot of home runs in Boston, you make a lot of friends. I think like he's got his beers paid for in Boston for a sure. while. And I think he was that that was the weird year that the Red Sox actually made the postseason when nobody thought that they would. And that gives me hope, eternal hope for the future. So he was a free agent. Despite my dad's wishes, the Red Sox did not pick him up. And they, they fucking should have. They totally should have. He's picked up by the Phillies, but the Phillies really dumb. Dombrowski had his eye on him. Four-year, $79 million contract. So he's there for a while. He was uh, signed in March of 2022. And his wife, Paige, went into, uh, into labor one hour after the signing. And he said, luckily, I didn't take a sip of anything so I could drive her to the hospital. <laughs> so congratulations to the Schwabas for baby Schwabs. Um, and the Phillies clearly, they, they had their eye out for him to be that guide for a young team, to have that World Series experience. When he came onto the Phillies last year, his uh, postseason game, his the, the amount of hits he had personally had in the postseason was about equal to everybody else. Huh. So I don't know the exact numbers. Yeah, a lot versus not so yeah. many. <laughs> uh, Sam Fold, the GM, said he's almost what you look up in a dictionary when it comes to leadership. And he did it with the Phillies last year. I mean, he was one of the huge reasons why they went to the World Series. Really? Did they do that? So, you know, Schwarber and um, Nick Castellanos were mm-hmm. kind of like the guys, like the, yeah. the the dads in the clubhouse sort of like, you know, hurting the um, the daycare kids. Yep. And, and, sure. they, and they were the ones who together came up with the idea of doing karaoke in the clubhouse, which and that's like the kind of just fun, like the leadership thing isn't always, you know, you're getting down on these guys and telling them what they have to do. It's it's the, that spirit. It's yeah. like getting that the mood up, keeping everybody feeling good and having fun because people are going to be winning that way. Yeah, they are. And and that's what the article in The Athletic that I saw said that he has the capacity to connect with his peers, the willingness to crush cold ones and talk ball, and the resourcefulness to organize a karaoke night. (laughs) So that clears my kind of guy. And he was, yeah, the home run leader last year. 2022 uh, in the National League, clearly, because Aaron Judge, you know, 62 in the American League. He had 46 in the National League. He was also number one in strikeouts with 200. So read above. He's a good guy. And and this is one of the reasons why you reminded me before we were recording that we didn't pick him earlier is he has a very strong uh, police connection. Right. Um, and so tonight we're going to we're going to frame that in the positive. And there are a lot of good things that hopefully that his relatives and the police have done. He founded a, um, a found his foundation, his organization in 2017, Schwab's Neighborhood Heroes, to recognize first responders across the board. So police are included in that. His dad was a policeman. His mom's a nurse and uh, spent some time d- as a police dispatcher. And his sister was in the National Guard and then also ended up going to the police. As he said, he probably would have had he not been in baseball. So I'm going to look at this on the 
positive side of them wanting to support the community and give back. And when he started this organization in Chicago, when he was playing with the Cubs, that he did that, you know, he's part of it, not just throwing his money off mm -hmm. on it, but he's inviting the cops and the firefighters and veterans to the baseball park, as well as going out to agencies and putting his face in those places. And he had a big block party to do, to do fundraising. When he came here in DC, totally appreciate shifting to support the new city. He, his, uh, pre his organization sort of combined with the Nats Philanthropies in supporting the DC Police Foundation, and now DC Police, I definitely have a lot of mixed feelings about, mm -hmm. but the focus on youth programming efforts and community outreach. So relationships clearly with the DC Police and the community need to improve, and you know, I'm, I'm placing a lot of blame <clears throat> on the police end of that equation for sure. Also, an organization called TAPS, which was resources for people grieving the death of a member of the military, and an organization called Food on the Stove, which supports firefighters eating healthily because they do not. Number one cause of death of firefighters is heart disease, and they have a very like frantic and eating in the you know firehouse kind of life. So the support, the direct support, I definitely admire. I am gonna take the police thing with a grain of salt and hope for the best and give Schwarber the, the benefit of the doubt. Um, I, I super, super appreciate the supporting the firefighters, including in 2021 when he was with the Red Sox, we talked about this when it happened, that he bought pizza for the Waltham firefighters as being like an honorary, he, was, he became an honorary Waltham citizen. He bought pizza for them and then power to the Waltham firefighters who turned that around and bought pizza for the firefighters in Middletown, Ohio. Excellent. His father, you can see where he got his spirit from. He said, tell that kid you, he can't do something and then duck. <laughs> so one thing Schwarber talked about is missing playing football, which he plays as a kid because basically you can smash things <laughs> in football. <laughs> and I am super excited that we are going to see him in Miami because he is playing on the World Baseball Classic team for the United States. They are officially, it has been announced, if they make it, which holy shit. Uh, we'll play in game four uh, of uh, the, the Saturday night game of the quarterfinals. Game four of the quarterfinals, which we will, the po important part is we're watching it. We have tickets. We have Yay. tickets. Yeah, Yay. we do. And the fact that you'll be wearing your Kyle from Waltham mm -hmm. t-shirt means that he's going to single you out in the crowd and say, I'm right. hitting a home run for you, Potty Mouth. Yeah, we this do have kind of you. shitty seats for that game, but that's all but, right. But that's we okay. Will. He'll know. Right. He'll know. Right. All right, my Phillies guy is a new Phillies guy, but he's an old friend um, from the Nats. And before that, it's um, Josh Harrison, uh, oh, utility player. He's biceps. 35. Boy, do we have biceps today. Sure. <laughs> um, so um, his nickname is also Jay Hay, which is, um, if you can hear the spelling, you know it's not the same as, <laughs> as, as, as Hayward because it's H-A-Y, Jay Hay. But he's from Cincinnati, and I am not, but I do spend my Christmases there, so that feels good to me. <laughs> So when he was a kid, growing up in Cincinnati, he really wanted to play t-ball. He has two older brothers, and they're a couple years older, and then a couple years older than that. So he's the baby by a lot, right? And so they were playing sports. He wanted to play sports. He was crazy about baseball when he was three. He wanted to play t-ball. The local t-ball league said you, can't, you have to be five. So his mom's like, okay, this kid needs to play. He's pleading all day long. And they're like, nope, nope, nope. So she made her own damn team. I love his mom. She made up her own damn team of kids. She named herself coach and put her boy on the roster and then said, oh, he had everything. <laughs> Such a natural swing. He, he fit in right away. But the, the worry was he was so little because he was a three-year-old toddler. He's also a little smaller than your average athlete in a lot of sports. Like he's 5'8 now, which is not tall for a baseball player, for instance. So he, he got a lot of crap forever about his height not being so big. He played for the University of Cincinnati. He was a Bearcat. His coach there said, some of us might have had questions about his size and what that can mean down the road, but Josh didn't. And I think that says a lot about his personality. That's it. Frickin' Baseball America called him, quote, too small to hit for power, too slow to play a small man's game, too limited in range to play a shortstop, too impatient to draw walks. Fuck them. Fuck That's them. Nasty. And he's laughing all the way to, like, you know, many years in, in the major leagues is what it is. So um, he was drafted by the Cubs in the sixth round in 2008. Um, early, went right away to the Pirates, um, where he played for eight seasons. So he's, you know, the Pirates was his longest stint. 
of his career. Um, he debuted with them in May of, of 2011. He was an all-star for them in 2014. He was a Heart and Hustle Award winner with oh, Pittsburgh. Cool. Um, and that was a career year for him. That was a big year. So that was a year that he decided he's going to arbitration. Right, mm -hmm. because the uh, the offers he was getting, he said, "I'm worth more than this." But I I heard an interview with him about how scary this was. Wow! Because this was the first time he's like he had a bet on himself. Yeah, he had never done this before, and he said the offer that they made him initially was okay, but it felt like it wasn't right. He like we could live on that, mm -hmm. we could have a happy life on that, but it it didn't feel like it was what I what I'm worth. And so he worked with his agent, and they and they went to um, went to arbitration. Like he he asked for three point five million dollars. They said one point eight million dollars. Five minutes before the deadline, Oof. they offered two point eight, and then a contract extension. And they're like, okay, I'm not going to waste time for two hundred thousand dollars to get to, to get to three million. This this is good. Yeah. This is good. Contract extension, the whole thing. So happily, all of this happened. Um, they, the press conference announcing the contract extension happened at the very beginning of this season when Pittsburgh was playing in Cincinnati, his hometown. So we got to have the press conference on the field at the Great American oh. Ballpark with his entire family and all of his friends and everybody in the ballpark. I said at one point during like the game, um, he was he was afraid they were all going to run on the field. <laughs> but that's really that's pretty exciting. So a couple yeah. of highlights um, in 2017, he had a walk off home run versus the Dodgers in the 10th inning, which ended a no hitter by Rich Hill, which made him the first player in Major League Baseball oh. history to break up a no hitter in extra innings with a walk off home run. And that was the year he got a second All Star wow. nod. He was a national in 2020, Yay, and most that's of what I remember. Yeah, and most of 2021, from. and we just loved him. And mm -hmm. there's this great quote by Davey Martinez, the manager of the Nats, saying he's just as advertised. Um, he's fun to be around. He understands the game. He's a true constant every single day. You never have to tell him to be ready. He's always ready, no matter what. He's always ready for anything, any situation. So just this last month, um, the the Phillies offered him one year for two million dollars. And I'm really happy that he took that, so he'll be closer, and we'll see him a whole bunch. He has played every position except catcher, so you know he's been like, wow, you know, he's pitched, he's done done every outfield, every infield position, just hasn't been a catcher. Him and Kike. One of the best things about him, other than that he's got something in common with Kike, <laughs> is that he his family is freaking amazing. So he um, and his wife Brittany have the Josh and Brittany Harrisons for Hope Foundation, and they started this in Philadelphia. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, in Pittsburgh, and they've kept it going. There's not a current website. I think they're updating it for, for Philadelphia right now, but we'll cool. circulate it once it's there. But I want to talk about some of the things they did early on. He said um, it's basically for kids. It's for kids from like cradle to 18 years old. And what do you need? We will make it happen for uh -oh. you. He said, we want to let these kids know someone cares about them and wants to see them succeed. We've been blessed by the Pittsburgh community and are grateful to call the city home. We feel it's our responsibility to give back. So they've done things like, you know, backpack programs where they send food home for the weekend for kids who run the lunch oh. program. Um, they do, uh, <laughs> he said, their kids, like his, he and his wife's two kids, um, Mia and Kinsley, they don't want or need for anything. So it's even made it more important. It said, you know, they, we're not doing it for recognition. We just, they're always in our hearts, and now even more so because we have our own kids. Yeah, it makes a difference. Right? I mean, like, you know, like, mm -hmm. the kids just want to be loved and encouraged. Yeah. And he said, maybe these kids will pay it forward. You know, you yeah. don't know what kind of change you're making in this kid's life by making sure they're not hungry, by making sure they have a winter coat when they live in a cold place, by, yeah. you know, all those things that could fall by the wayside. Um, one of the, the events they had, I know that you'll like hearing about, is in 2017, they did a baby shower for 15 expectant mothers from women's shelters. Oh, that's just so they brought so them to cool. a hotel, and you know, they, they, they were, you know, obviously baby gifts to get them started. Here are the basics that you need. But they also had massages, and they had, um, uh -huh. they had people like from healthcare organizations to talk to them about how to take care of infants. So it was, it was all kind of, it was practical stuff, but it was also wow. a very nice meal and, and things to treat them and make them feel special. And he said, we've been blessed. We have a daughter of our own, a second one on the way at the time. Um, things that may seem like small things to some people can mean the world. Yep. Something as small as diapers or a diaper bag can really take a lot of weight off of someone's shoulders. Especially if it's a well ergonomic di diaper bag. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Like how you, like what you did there. So he and yeah. his wife, um, Brittany, who's she's um, an IT professional. She's got her own company. Um, they're raising um, Mia, who's nine, and Kinsley, who's five. And so family is super important. 
he's also like that guy in yeah. the clubhouse as the 35-year-old who's been everywhere and done everything. And so I'm really excited that um, that Josh Harrison will be pretty close by in Philadelphia. I think he and Kyle are going to have a fun time Sure together. they are. All right, next week. Oh, next week. Boyfriends from Seattle and San Diego. Ooh, The dads. That's going to be tough. <laughs> We've got – actually, it's not going to be tough for me. Whew. Yeah, no, it's not. It's finally <laughs> – Finally, I'm, I'm glad right. Mr. Potty Mouth talks sense to you. We'll talk about that next week. I okay, think go ahead. So. All right. Sorry. To be continued. Yeah. Listen next week to yeah. find out. Quick congrats to Amanda Comecona, who is following a trend, as ESPN would say. She's the first woman to be an on field coach for the Guardians, Woo! which means a woman wearing a uniform. If you can see it, you can be it. Kids see that and think, well, I can be a woman wearing a uniform. She's going to be working year round in Arizona with player development. And it's a big deal that for the Guardians, they've had women on as like mental coaches, but this is the first woman in an on field position. She has a softball background, as women tend to do, and by no fault of their own, for sure former star from UCLA, still holds that school record of eight RBI in a game. Woo! Spent some time playing in the pro fast pitch league and coaching at high school and college before coming to the Guardians. The article I read from ESPN is, and, and I'm using air quotes on adorable here, adorable slash nauseating and saying that this is, this is a trend that teams are Hiring women to be on the field. Is awesome. that adorable? That is, that is kind adorable. Of, yeah, fuck you. It's, it's like overdue. Women right. belong on the field. Right, it's, it's equity. Finally... It's not a trend. We're heading yes. towards equity. Yes, it's yep. equity, not a trend. We should make, that's a good t-shirt. Sure. I like it. Sure, we're on it. We are on it. Hey, police blotter. Um, just one thing today, because everything else was too complicated to talk about. <laughs> um, we've talked before about the ownership of the Orioles, the Angeles family being at war with one another. Well, they have a truce. Um, all the sides. There were, there were suits and countersuits between you know the mom and the sons and back and forth, between a mom and a son versus the other son and back and forth and the whole thing. Um, all the sides, all of them signed a motion on Friday agreeing to drop all the lawsuits and the charges were dismissed with wow. prejudice, which means they can't bring them back. So those, those charges, those lawsuits are dead. They cannot resurface, which huh. is a big sigh of relief. I think for a lot of people who are like, is this like watching Falcon crest? What is up <laughs> with you people? Right. Um, the terms of this settlement aren't public. So there could have been money, there could have been agreements, there could have been, okay, I promise to play nice with my brother um, and not, you know, make fun of him anymore, or, or whatever, give him a bigger say in yeah. how the, we don't know what those things are. That's all confidential. Um, there is some um, speculation as to why they're doing this right now. They've had a lot of bad PR recently, so this might help quash that. Uh, you know, they may be prepping for a sale of the team or for part of the team. Mm. The Angelos family owns 70% of the team, so they could sell off you know, almost 20%, make a boatload of money and still be the majority owners. So there's all kinds of speculation, which is um, all sorts of fun. One of the other things they're talking about is the um, the local regional sports network, which is Mass and the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network. Um, the O's owned it. And then when the Nats came, they were supposed to pay mm -hmm. the Nats and uh, for, you know, because they use Masson also. And they've been in the courts since the Nats began uh, for not paying them what the Nats claim that they're owed. And oh, so- dear. They're thinking that, you know, maybe we better settle this down so that we can not make that situation any worse. So that's this week's police blotter. Less drama in Baltimore. More though, villains. Though probably, probably to be continued. Yeah, All yeah. right, I don't know how I'm going to boil this down. I'm looking at our time and I'm looking at my list here. But the Serie del Caribe is over. Maybe that'll help boil it down. We have champions, the Tigres de Licey from the Dominican Republic. And if you've been listening, you know that the Serie del Caribe is the championship among the the winning teams from the winter leagues. So it's even though when you watched it, the Dominican Republic team said Dominican Republic, it was actually the Tigres de Licey, their championship team with some reinforcements. The Dominican Republic has the most by far Serie wins with 22, and the Tigres as a team have the most wins because they have 11 of those. Their pitcher, Ruben Valdez, appreciation for the old guy, 45 Woo, years old, dang. now has the record for the most innings pitched in the Serie de Caribe with 75 over the years. He's actually Cuban by birth, but has been playing for the Dominican Republic for years in the Winter League. In the final game, 
heartbreaker for Venezuela. So Venezuela was this, the host country. And actually, last Sunday, we watched a killer oh Dominican. It was in the group phase. It was a Dominican-Venezuelan game. And I was thinking, oh, my God, if the Dominican Republic wins this, the t- crowd is going to go fucking nuts. It was going back and forth. Runners stranded all over the place. And Venezuela squeaked it out in a walk-off in the 12th inning. Well, I don't know what happened to the crowd because I didn't actually see the finals game. But in the final, the Dominican Republic had their vengeance at the right time and beat uh, the Leones de Caracas from Venezuela three to nothing. Going into the final four, so there were eight teams to start with, with got whittled down to four for the um, semis and finals. Or I don't know what the official titles are. Mexico had the best record coming out of the group phase, but they ended up with the third place beating out Colombia, who won last year, one to nothing in that consolation game. So Mexico goes from crazy good record to not not getting one of the places. <laughs> um, and I think that's it. Oh, Puerto Rico did not make it to the final four, sadly. But Marco Oliveras, who was our very first interview on No Crying Baseball, is now the manager with the most wins of games the most games won because Puerto Rico did win some games even though not enough in the history of the city of the Caribe with 28 over the years and he has managed several teams from Puerto Rico so now that the Serie de Caribe is over, what are we going to do to get our international baseball fix? World Baseball Classic. We're going to Miami. You guys, go come to Miami. See, it's going to be so much fun. We're going to be there the second weekend. So if you still haven't made your travel plans, second weekend with the quarterfinals and semis, although you're going to have to go to StubHub for your tickets because it's fucking impossible to get them through the Marlins. So the rosters are finally out. We've been sort of like trickling in over the past weeks, months of who's playing on what team for the World Baseball Classic. Is that cool that they're going to be able to play for their home country or the country that colonized their home country? (laughs) Um, So (laughs) your baseball boyfriend, who I was excited to hear about, even though we wouldn't have seen it, the, the Great Britain team is playing in Arizona for the group stage, and I don't think Great Britain's going to make it out of there. But Jazz Chisholm, we had said, was going to be playing. Nope. I don't know why. Lucius Fox is still going to be playing there. But England's not looking like a favorite to come out of the group from Arizona. Also, at one point, I think I had said that your former boyfriend, G-Man Choi, was going to be playing for Korea, but the Pirates have said no. He had surgery in November. That's understandable. Okay. Framber Valdez uh, from the, the, the Astros um, is still wishy-washy on playing for the Dominican Republic because he's not sure if it would be bad for his spring training and, mm-hmm. and warm-up for the season. I thought it was interesting that he said he needs to talk to his psychologist about this to help him make the decision. All right. So I respect, full Use respect the tools for available to you. Definitely. I hope you make a decision that is best for you. And if we see you in Miami, I will give a big wave. Uh, Orioles, Nick Vespi is can't be going to Italy like he had been hoped. He had hernia surgery, which I hope he's wow, okay for the season. For sure. Brandon Nimmo, my former boyfriend from the Mets, also withdrew from Italy with no reason I could find. Although, another former boyfriend, Carlos Correa, had been scheduled to play for Puerto Rico. His wife is due to have a baby on March 11th. I kind of believe he was aware of that earlier. <laughs> yeah, I think he finally, she might have finally talked some Dude. sense into him. Dude, I know you didn't want right. to think about this because you didn't know right. where you were going to be playing. But now that you know your twin, yeah. can we talk about ours? <laughs> yes. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if they're, but if it, if it were twins, that would be pretty appropriate. Damn, yeah, the series damn. starts on March 8th. So March 11th is very inconvenient. Kenley Jansen is only going to be playing for the Dutch, he's from Curaçao, um, if they make it to U.S. soil because they're in the group phase in Taiwan and he's doing spring training here and the uh, travel, understandably, mm, okay. would be a pain in the ass. But if Taiwan, if, if, if they somehow make it out of the Taiwan group, which is, I don't know, miracles can happen. They have, they have Xander Bogarts on their team. So we'll see what happens to the Dutch team. Um, we cannot buy jerseys from the Dominican Pug- Republic, apparently, in Miami because they were late on their design and it was not approved by MLB. So I'm sure there will be plenty of knockoffs, but theoretically, the official jersey will not be for sale there. 
although I bet you can find it in the DR, and there are theoretically 8,000 limited caps also to be sold I'm in the DR. I'm feeling like I just saved $140. Yeah, there, you could have. You could have. Although I think I'm spending my money on the Puerto Rico merch. This is also actually not... Um, what do you call it, branded by MLB. It's not officiated by MLB, but it is officiated by the Puerto Rican League, and they're working with an organization called Me Salve, which means I save myself. And what gets sold through them goes back into Puerto Rican baseball, into youth leagues, into women's leagues, which they have their women's teams. And so it's uh, working toward the future. And I like the one that they have with Yadier Molina in a very emotional kind of stance with his mouth wide open on the front. Like, yeah, that energy look. I would love that. By the way, if you remember from 2017, they all dyed their hair blonde, and apparently that is happening again. All right. The Rubios are back. Excellent QR. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. So I hope, oh, God, I I don't know. I feel so nervous. Who are we going to see in Miami? I'm really hoping we see Puerto Rico. We probably will not be seeing the Czech Republic. They are also playing somewhere in Asia for the initial round, but they do have Finally, one player with MLB experience, and that would be Eric Sogard, who checks in. That's their hashtag. Uh-huh, check check in. in. That's pretty good. He's checked in. He's been a Czech citizen since January. Apparently, he swore in in hopes. I don't know. They thought he was going to be playing in the European Championship with them. I don't think he did because I couldn't find any evidence of that. But here he goes, uh, nerding up off to the World Baseball Classic. And we are going to Miami. We're going to see probably the United States play on Saturday night because they're going to be coming out, one of the two teams coming out of the Arizona pool along with either Colombia, which would have my former boyfriend, Jorge Alfaro, or Mexico, which would have my former boyfriend, Jaron Duran. Either way, we get that. We probably, Freddie Freeman, your former guy, is playing in with the Canadian team in Arizona, I don't know if he has enough backup yeah. to make it out. So yeah. that is the international corner. Whew. Wow. Wow. Hey, okay. So again, we say it's Super Bowl Sunday, so our business beat is one item only, which is the Mets. <laughs> the Mets bought a local Super Bowl so ad. Funny. So um, I will link to the YouTube version of the ad because it's super fun, but we're probably not going to see it because we are not in the Mets market. Um, only mm. one team has done a local ad buy before. MLB has done ad buys, but a, a specific team, um, only the Rangers have done this. They did it for a couple of years um, in the mid-20-teens, which actually did boost tickets sales for them um what the mets want to do obviously also to create ticket sales but the marketing head says you know internationally like well he wants to make it a global global brand says you know they're wearing yankee hats i mean internationally because it's an ny yeah and new york is cool right i want that to be a met hat 100 percent so there's like a couple different levels that they're working at here and they interviewed somebody from another ad firm which was not picked to do this and funny he's the one who says oh no that's just an ego grab <laughs> so there I, you go the the ny thing is real though because i, I teach immigrant students who are generally not baseball fans so many of them have yankees hats and i get on and get into yeah. arguments with them on a regular basis trying to explain to them that that's not just a cool design. So if it were Mets hats, I would might be a little slightly less pissy. Yeah, when, when they wear one into the classroom. Well, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe yes. Maybe. Well, as long as you use it as a teaching moment to explain yes. what it is they're wearing. Right. That's I think that's really important. Hey, we're gonna like log out of here and go watch the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. um, this this is looks sounds like it's a Phillies household. We'll see about your your other guests whether they can stay with us or not. Who they're rooting for. <laughs> um, so you'll know by the time you hear this if we were right or if we were wrong and just how happy or sad we'll be. Yeah, you can um, laugh at us. So please come find us on social media to tell us your Seattle and San Diego boyfriend recommendations for us tell us everything we got wrong i'm sure there was one or two <laughs> things let us know if you want to play in our fantasy league because you're not an N- uh, an nfl player so you probably do play fantasy baseball <laughs> oh my gosh potty mouth. i was gonna i was just thinking if there is an nfl player out there please let us know that you're listening to the podcast <laughs> that'd be so fucking cool how can people find us but meanwhile find us on twitter at ncib podcast facebook and instagram is no crying in b-ball and if you want to throw us that those last i think we're down to two dollars but i i'm with the funny math on the patreon i'm pretty sure it's two bucks 
that we are still missing to break even. And then you can start paying for our beer and that would be an investment <laughs> right there. We are at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash no crying and b-ball. And uh, let us know what we can do to make that fun for you. For sure. If you're going to meet us in Miami, and we hope you do, please mm-hmm. make sure you are boosted so we can hang out public health safely. Please send your game balls to Meredith because there will be game balls pretty darn soon. Um, Fight the man because it's the right thing to do. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. I'm, I'm, you're going the other way. You, I was just about to say. Do you feel comfortable with that? I'm not sure. I mean, are you a switch hitter now? Maybe. <laughs>